It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, if you haven't been to the show before, listen to the show, you know, welcome. Now, for those of you who have listened to the show, you know our show is in a couple of different parts. One part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, which is very important in today's COVID times, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, nostalgia. And, you know, coming up this Monday is May 17th. And May 17th is an important day to some people. And we have Arlene Rutolo from our office. And what is May 17th, Arlene? Thank you for having us, um, having me here, Mr. Connors. May 17th is Shitnamai, which is the Norwegian Independence Day. It is equivalent to the 4th of July here in America, um, but in Norway, it is a national day where the very young, I would say six months to 100 years old, are out there in the streets with their flying their flags. They are very, very patriotic in Norway. So it's very exciting. And we celebrated here in Brooklyn because um, our history between uh, America and Norway there are a lot of um, Norwegian-Americans here in the United States. I think I saw a number that there's 4.5 million Norwegian-Americans here living in the United States now. Um, so that's pretty remarkable. Now, we're broadcasting right now from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And Bay Ridge, historically, we used to have a Norwegian Day parade. Is there a parade this year? There's not a parade this year. I happen to be the uh, the chair. I've been involved with the parade for 20 years. Um, because of COVID, we were not able to get permits. And honestly, I don't think we would have even if we could get a permit because, you know, we live in a time that we've lost so many souls um, and COVID ran rampant in all of our communities. So for the sake of safety, um, a lot of our people are um, um, vulnerable. So we didn't want to take that chance. So we are not, we didn't have a parade last year and this year we did not, um, we're not having a parade, which would have been this Sunday. Um, we instead are having a picnic um, at Nansen Lodge on Staten Island. It's totally sold out. So you see the pent-up energy of people wanting to celebrate. Um, we offered the tickets, and I think within a week it sold out. So uh, if people are standing at the gate at Nansen and can't get in, I apologize for that. But next year, May fifteenth, 2022, um, we will have our next Norwegian Day Parade. And I tell you, it's going to be a grand parade. Now, why? Uh, let me ask you a question. Why did so many Norwegians settle in Bay Ridge? Well, I think it's a progression. Um, my parents came here in the 50s, uh, and my grandparents came here. Um, they were here, I think, two or three times. They came in the 20s when there wasn't any work in Norway. Um, Norway was a different time back in the day. 
Uh, there wasn't any work. Um, and America was this golden opportunity of um, achievement. Everybody wanted to come to America, to the United States of America. So um, they came over here for opportunity to work, and they started to um, – they decided they really liked it here. They liked the freedom. They loved, loved the fact that they could, uh, capitalism was something that they um, gravitated towards. And um, and there are so many people that lived here. Um, after, there are two, three different generations of Norwegians still living here. Um, Bay Ridge, Brooklyn was, uh, I think we had the most popular um, population, more than one of the biggest cities in Norway uh, back in the 50s and 60s. You'd walk in the street, you'd see blonde hair, blue eyes, speaking Norwegian. Um, if everyone listening here, I'm sure everyone has had uh, a, a memory of some Scandinavian uh, living next door or um, thinking about uh, even in school. Um, so that's why, you know, we, we, we celebrate here in Bay Ridge because we were very, very, there was a huge amount of people here in Bay Ridge at that time. Okay, now you operated a store. Mm -hmm. What what was it? It was called Nordic Delicacies. We were there for almost 30 years, um, from 1987 to we closed in 2015. And we sold and sent, uh, we had a national mail order business throughout the United States. So um, we ended up closing um, after all those years because the population, of course, dwindled a little bit. But my parents were aging, and my mom uh, and my dad, um, they needed to retire. And if I would have continued there, my mom would never have retired. She would have just stood beside me with me each and every day so uh, maybe one day I'll pick it up again and we'll do we'll do a, another store one time I get that question all the time <laughs> <laughs> all right so Norwegian Day this year we can't say it's canceled but it's kind of canceled as far as the parade is concerned well the parade I mean there are a lot of events there are you may not think so in a sense of uh, thinking about the Scandinavian events between the churches and the sons of Norway's that are going on the Viking Fest is going on this Saturday in Owlshead Park uh, that's Victoria Hofmo and the Scandinavian East Coast Museum. The Norwegian Christian Home, they have their um, uh, modified events um, because obviously the COVID changes everything. But uh, there are a lot of things going on in the nation, a lot of virtual things. The Siemens Church is having a virtual event. So um, don't be despaired. There's a lot of fantastic events and, and great musicians, great speakers. And, you know, it's, it's, it's wholesome. And it's kind of nice in this nowadays to, to, to listen to, to wonderful things that have actually have uh, value. Let me ask you something. Back in the day, what was who were some of the celebrities that showed up at the Norwegian Day Parade? I think the most important one was um, Boomer Lyson. Um, he was here, I don't know what year it was, but I can't tell you how people responded to him walking in the streets. Um, whether they watched football or not, or, or were a sports person or not, they always screaming, Boomer, Boomer. So um, each year we look for uh, someone that would be available or interested. We had, um, uh, I can't think of the top of my head. Had Walter Mondale. Walter Mondale. He's yeah, a little he bigger than Boomer Esiason. Yeah, he's a little bit bigger, but I think Boomer is, is pretty much up there as far as the Norwegian concerned. Uh, Walter Midling was, was wonderful. Uh, Mondale was wonderful too. But uh, And Mayor Koch, he didn't miss a parade. Every time that he was the mayor, he was there every single year. And, you know, we haven't had the mayor of, for many many years but you know i guess they look at no, you we know we can make a comment about the current mayor yeah we, we won't go down that road but you know not? we're open we're open to to all um i'm hoping we can you know there's a lot of interest in the sense of people inappropriately wanting to come into the parade because of the blonde hair blue-eyed females that are there so you know we we say 
you know, come for the right reasons. Don't come because there's so many beauties in the parade. <laughs> but it's all good. We 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 enjoy. Do they ourselves. still have a Miss Norway contest? We do. We do. We um we're gonna have it again next April. Um, and we have the girls are from 17 to 24 years old, and we. Um, it's not just a beauty contest. We actually make them go to the internet and read um, about Norwegian history. They they have to have one at least one quarter um, Norwegian in them. Um, and I tell you, some of the girls that have come to apply, um, they are remarkably uh, achieved. Um, you think about the they're from Harvard. They're from all over the place and learning about basic history and how why they want to become Miss Norway. And it's like I said, it's not about a beauty contest. It's about learning about your history and, and coming back to the generations of, of teaching the next generation and the generation after that to to love what they um, where they came from. New York is filled with um, remarkable history of Norwegians. The the tunnels, the bridges, the the um, landscape, the skyscrapers, they were built by Norwegian Norwegian uh, dock builders and, and carpenters and you know, people say, why do you bother having a parade? Why the Norwegians are long gone. There's a lot of Norwegians still left on the sides, but we want to honor the the work and the history of the Norwegians in yesteryear. We 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 make it a um, a destination weekend and an educational weekend, so people can learn where their history came from and what New York was about in the years that passed. And you mentioned Nansen Park. What's Nansen Park? Nansen Park is on Staten Island, on Victory Boulevard. It's actually a Sons of Norway um, lodge. Sons of Norway is a huge organization throughout the United States. They have millions of members. Uh, I think they do uh, a lot of insurance, too, but they do a lot of culture events. Um, the president, the international president from Canada, was supposed to be coming to our parade uh, this year and being one of our grand marshals, but because of COVID, the restrictions, he could not come. So um, Nansen Park is uh, lots of acres of land, and uh, we decided instead of having it, we couldn't have it in the regular park, we were able to have it in Nansen Park on Staten Island with you know, COVID protocols in place and um, being it's a private um, private park and obviously we have to follow uh, the safeguards. But uh, it's a wonderful location. They have lots of events through the year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you you don't think about the land of the, Vi- you know, the land of the Vikings or Sons of Norway's, but there's a lot of those lodges in New York still. So well, let me ask you this. Did you did you consider having a parade this year? Could well, you we- get a permit? Well, we, we we probably, if we would have pushed it, I mean, we're, we're not, we, we, we also know that because of COVID, there's a lot of danger. Um, we didn't go down the road of, of pressing it. Last year, wasn't even, it wasn't even an opportunity. Um, our committee works, you know, starts working in right after the parades, and we worked year-round planning the parade. So um, I think we, if we would have pushed it maybe now because things are opening up after the 19th, I mean, the parade would have been this Sunday, so we wouldn't have made it by a few days. But it's not worth fighting people. It's not worth arguing and fighting. I would rather have a good spirit and a good feeling for next year. And, and people totally understand that. And, you know, we're doing the best we can and, and keep moving forward. So uh, I do understand the, the the Memorial Day parade in Staten Island, and hopefully here in Brooklyn we'll – Will be able no, to I don't march. think Brooklyn's already too late. Yeah, it might be. But you know what? I would give you know, up. because sometimes the order of the floats takes a couple of months ahead of time to do that, and we Memorial Day is only two weeks away. Yeah, you're right. But I just feel like the veterans deserve it. They deserve the honor more than, you know, the things that we do. I think the veterans in America and, and Scandinavia and all around the world, they, they need to be honored. They need now, to be how old honored. is the Norwegian Day Parade? The, the Memorial Day Parade in Brooklyn started in 1868. Well, next year for 2000, uh, 
2022, our parade will be 70 years old. It's been marching here since 1952, this particular parade. It's moved a few times, 8th Avenue. We were up on 5th Avenue here, and we moved down to 3rd Avenue. So hopefully we, we won't move around anymore, but it's the spirit of it. You know, we, it's not the location. It's about what we do as a, as a, as a culture, you know. So. Okay, now we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be talking to the Council General of Norway, Harriet Berg. Very good. Thank you. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome to our state planning part of the show for uh, on Ask the Lawyer. And with me, as we've done over the last few months, we've had one of the lawyers in our office. Uh, with us today is Kelly Decker. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Okay. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your background? Background, I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but I've been in New York for uh, over 10 years. I've been at the firm Connors and Sullivan for almost three years now. I went to Toro Law School out on Long Island. I'm currently living in Long Beach. And listen, any estate questions, any estate planning questions, most of the attorneys here do it all. Um, so I know Mr. Connors has a, a question we received online. So it's kind of a long one. Yeah. And I may not have a good answer, but I can. Ha if somebody else is listening, we might try to help 
so somebody else doesn't get into the same problem. But go ahead. All right. So I'm going to read the question. It's a good one. We've seen this scenario play out more than once or twice before. So this is from John and it says, Dear Mike, I am an executor of my brother's estate who for the last six years before his death had assigned his eldest daughter as power of attorney over the family home and two rental properties, as well as the management of payments to for his assisted living and all other financial matters. Before anyone knew, she had squandered all of his savings and the proceeds from the sale of the two rental properties on her gambling addiction. And now she has moved into the family residence, which was left to two siblings under the will. The siblings are in desperate need of money and want to sell the family house, which is now owned by them exclusively as it was left to them in the will. But the errant ex-POA daughter will not move out, and the courts are not permitting evictions due to COVID. The siblings cannot obtain access to prepare the house for sale or having to borrow money to pay the property taxes. The extended family has decided against filing charges of elder abuse as they don't want to see her go to jail, even though everyone is highly in Uh, highly agrees that that should be done. The ex-POA daughter has no apparent income or means of support and will likely become homeless as no one in the family will now take her in. What suggestions or advice can I give to the siblings who would like to sell? You know, and, and this is what we've been talking about over the last few months. COVID right now has put us, put you in a very tough position because you can't do an eviction. You know, they're, they're saying there's a moratorium on, on all evictions, which, you know, the first first glimpse of it, well, you know, somebody's not going to get evicted from the home because they lost their job during COVID. But the bad side of that is some people are taking advantage of the situation. And it, this apparently is the case. And unfortunately, right now, there's nothing much we can do. The courts are closed as far as eviction proceedings. I don't know. You said there was a will. But I don't know whether the will was probated or not, which would cause another delay if we had to, at least if the property was in a trust, um, then whoever the trustee would be, and hopefully it wouldn't be the, the what I think is described to as the errant daughter, um, hopefully she wouldn't be the trustee. But, I mean, the, you know, and, and this is one of the problems when you're doing your estate planning. When you give a power of attorney to somebody, you got to think, and, and is this the right person? to be my power of attorney, because if this woman had a gambling problem, my guess would be that she had a gambling problem for years and years, and this was not something that just popped up. So maybe the brother should have been the power of attorney. And, you know, sometimes it's not that often, but every once in a while, somebody will choose uh, a brother as power of attorney or executor or trustee, a brother or sister, because they want to be neutral and maybe there's a problem between the family and you know, so you, you get a neutral party, you get a brother or sister to act as executive trustee. And we almost always recommend in, in most circumstances that you have a family member act as executive trustee, power of attorney. Um, if the property were in a trust, you could at least sell it. You might have a problem getting the, 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 the daughter out. But one thing I would do no matter what, I would bring an action against the daughter 
Um, and, and I know maybe it's, but, but she shouldn't be let free on this. And, you know, a civil action is not necessarily a criminal action. I don't think, to be honest with you, with your, with, with the decedent, with the person who owned the house and the property dead, I don't think the DA is going to pursue a criminal action anyway, because they don't have a witness who can adequately be used to prosecute the case. But I would bring a discovery proceeding, especially, it, it doesn't appear to be so in this case, but especially if that daughter were getting part of the house or if she has any claims on the estate. Um, and, and again, I don't know, it, it says there's a will, I but I don't know how the will was probated in, you know, in this period of time, uh, unless it was probated a long time ago, because we, you know, obviously we don't have the dates in this. But the better way to have handled this at the beginning, we have the house in a trust. Yes, there's still the moratorium on evictions, and there's nothing we can do about it. And I don't know, last I heard, they may be do, keeping the moratorium on evictions going into, you know, August or whatever. And, you know, you're sitting at home and you say, oh, well, these poor people that lost their jobs, they can't be evicted. But the other side of the coin is there are landlords here who real estate taxes went up, insurance is going up, they can't collect rent in some cases because some people are, you know, gaming the system, so to speak, like this errant daughter, so to speak. They're gaming the system. They're living rent-free. They're not paying the taxes. And meanwhile, other people are stuck. Now, if we had a trust, we'd at least cut down the one-step probate because right now, I can tell you right now, if we wanted to probate the will and this daughter objected to the will for whatever reason, she's not getting the house and she objects to it and she stalls things up in court, we're going to be there for years in the current situation. And listen, even before COVID, we were in there a long time. We might have been there for years. But now we're definitely going to be for years. And if not, I don't I don't even know how long it's going to be. This is one thing I, I can try to stress to everybody right now. It was always important to try to avoid going through court, to avoid probate. But today it's, it's triply so because the court system, there's so many delays that you, you can't even imagine it, and especially here where you got a double delay. You may have a, a delay in probate and a delay in the eviction proceeding. So, you know, avoid going through probate right now. You avoid probate when you pass away. There are no assets in your name alone. If you have a house, if you have real estate, the best way to do that usually is through a trust agreement. It, it works like the way you would think a will would work. It's your house as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it goes straight to the next generation. Ordinarily, and of course, we don't know what's going to happen with taxes, but ordinarily it goes out tax-free. If you live in New York right now, there's no death tax under $6 million, and I'm using round numbers. The federal is almost $12 million goes out tax-free. If you're close to $6 million in New York, again, we've said this enough times, you need to do some planning because New York State is out to get you if you're close to $6 million. Um, if you have bank accounts and trust for a joint, that'll avoid probate. If you have beneficiaries on your brokerage accounts, beneficiaries on your annuities, insurance policies, whatever, all those designations will avoid probate. But get the right advice if you're in one of these situations. And be very careful. You know, yes, we recommend that you have a power of attorney and you put somebody on your power of attorney. But the other side of the coin is if you put somebody on the power of attorney that you can't trust, we end up in this situation and they can rob you, they can rob you blind. And you could be left with nothing if you give the wrong person your power of attorney. So please be careful on that. You could have put in there that, you know, the power of attorney couldn't be used unless a medical doctor certified that you were not capable of handling your affairs in a competent manner. 
And sometimes we use that. But the biggest thing is if, if you have a question about the trustworthiness, the honesty of the person on whom you're giving a power of attorney, please don't do it. You know, I mean, listen, we prefer we prefer having a power of attorney going through court. But it seems like there is enough people in the family that are trustworthy that could have been a better choice. And I'm sorry just to say I'm sorry it's too late. But to some extent, it's going to be a problem. But eventually, hopefully the, the two siblings will get a hold of the house. We'll be able to sell it. I, I know there's a problem, and, and that's one of the problems, again, when I'm going through probate. You have a house. You can't sell it. Real estate taxes are being paid. Insurance is being paid. In some cases, mortgage payments are being made, and the house could dwindle to next to nothing. And that is a problem in today's world. So we have to you know, take the bull by the horns and plan in advance. And in today's world, believe me, one of the things you want to do is avoid probate. And if you want to give us a call at Connors & Sullivan, you could do that at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We have offices throughout the city. We have two offices in Queens, Middle Village and Bayside. We have an office in Staten Island on Highland Boulevard. We have an office in Midtown Manhattan on East 59th Street. Our main office is in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, on 74th Street and 5th Avenue. You can call for an appointment. We do not charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free. Everything we do as far as estate planning and elder laws on a flat fee basis. On these matters, we ordinarily do not charge by the hour. You come in. We discuss it. You give us your facts, your financial situation, your goals. And then we tell you what it would cost to carry out your goals and how much it would go. And, and you know, everybody's a little different. And, you know, some people say, what's the best for me? Well, that's why we've got to sit down, make up a plan, and go from there. But you're in charge. You're the boss. You decide what to do. A lot of people ask me, what should I do? What should I do? Well, we can talk about it and we can make recommendations, but you're the one who has to decide what you're going to do, who you're going to name as your PAV attorney, who you're going to name as your executor, who you're going to name as your trustee. And you know the people, and you have to make those decisions. But if you want to give us a call and talk it over, please feel free. Our phone number again is 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And if you want to give us a call, and if you want to get you're a radio listener and you want to speak to me, you're more than welcome to do that. You may have to wait a few weeks, or maybe you come in and you meet initially with somebody else, and I'll meet with you later. But if you want to meet with me, that's not a problem. Just call. You may have to wait a few weeks. Give us a call at 718-238-6500. Now we're going to take a short break. We'll back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak 
speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank. NMLS number 403503. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, recently, uh, some people were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the New York Jets Super Bowl win. But some people forget a game that was played just a couple of weeks earlier. On December 29th, 1968, was the playoff game, the Jets against the Oakland Raiders. And our guest right now had a lot to do with that playoff game. Peter Lamons, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. What did you play back there in... in in the 1968 season. Tied in. Now, do you remember how good a game you had in the, in the 68 playoff game against the Raiders? You know, surprisingly, I remember it pretty well. <laughs> well, tell the crowd, tell the crowd what, what you accomplished in that game. Well, I was fortunate enough to score one touchdown. And that was pretty good. That's a, quite an accomplishment. Yes, it was. Uh, I thought it was anyway. <laughs> now, you, you're from Texas originally, right? Yes, sir. Now playing in the in Shea Stadium, that was a cold place back then in the in the sixties. Oh, it was pretty miserable most of the time. But, uh, the winds came in and swirled around at, at uh, one level. They swirled one way, and the next level up, they swirled a different way. So it it made it tough on kicking the ball and catching the ball and throwing. Back then, I was up in the upper deck to to see you catch that touchdown pass in '68. <laughs> it was quite a run, wasn't it? It was. It was a great year. <laughs> uh, the touchdown I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, okay. Yes. Now, let me ask you something. Where did you play college ball? University of Texas. There were a couple of University of Texas ball players on the uh, the Super Bowl Jets. There were four of us: Jim Hudson, George Sauer, John Elliott, and me. Sauer. George and, and Jim Hudson and I were all freshmen together at Texas, and we were uh, members of the first national championship that the University of Texas ever won. We were fortunate enough to have a national championship and the world championship. Well, not too many players could have you know, gone through that. Who did you play for the college national championship, or what? what? What team did you beat at the end? We beat Navy in the Cotton Bowl the year that Roger Staubach was the Heisman Trophy winner. They were number two in the country, and we were number one. And we tattooed them pretty good, 28-6, to six, I believe it was. Who was your coach back then? Darrell Rawl. Now, he was a legend. Yes. And you, you get drafted by the Jets. Did you ever think you might sign with an NFL team, or you— were committed to the Jets, or did you play them off against each other? To tell you the truth, I was, I was drafted by Cleveland in the NFL, and uh, after the Orange Bowl, when we had played Alabama, uh, the first night game ever of the Orange Bowl, uh, Alabama had taken over the number one ranking after Arkansas beat us by one point, 
and we go down and play Alabama in the Orange Bowl, uh, and we beat Alabama. So off of the two teams, there were six of us that wound up playing with the Jets. Pretty unusual. Now, some people may not remember, and they may not even be alive, but who was the quarterback for Alabama back then? You know, I got it, uh, Joe uh, Namath, I believe. Now, did you ever give him a hard time about that game? Oh, yeah, we certainly we did. We we were ahead. There was four of us against two of them. You know, four Texas guys against the two Alabama guys, Paul Crane and Joe Namath. So, yeah, we had them outnumbered. Plus, we won anyway, so they couldn't do anything about it. That game, do you remember that very well, what you what you accomplished yes. in that game? I was very fortunate. I recovered a fumble. I, I uh, caught a pass on the one-yard line and set up our last touchdown and uh, intercepted uh, Namath twice. How'd you intercept him twice? On I was on defense. I played <laughs> defense and offense. There are not too many players around today who do that. No, they're not. They, and it, it kind of uh, phased out my last year or two at Texas. It, everybody began to just concentrate on, on one side of, of the ball, whether it be offense or defense. Okay, and you get drafted. Your coach at, uh, for the Jets, Weeb Eubank, what was he like? Weeb was great, uh, you know, uh, from the coaching standpoint. Uh, from the general manager standpoint, he was very difficult. <laughs> he won't give away that money. <laughs> you have a you know you're eleven and three that season. You have a great season at the end. You're ripping apart the opposition. Tough game against the Raiders. You pull it out. Super Bowl. Were you the guy who said if we keep watching these tapes, we're going to get overconfident? Yes, sir. It might have been the smartest thing I ever said. <laughs> 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 Can you explain that a little bit? So you're watching the tapes. Why? Yeah, well, you, it will break down uh, in the offense and defensive units and uh, offensive linemen and, and backs, quarterbacks and backs and receivers. And we all watch, you know, what the people on the defensive side are doing on the other team. So we watched a lot of their, well, the two films that we had of them, and uh, they, of course, had uh, just walked through the, the playoffs, but the guys, the other teams that uh, they played, just they, they seemed to not adjust offensively to uh, the plays and, and stuff that they had, uh, that they had called. They'd run against the defense of, of the Colts. And it just seemed like, you know, they they never did adjust their – they couldn't call uh, audibles at the line of scrimmage. And uh, we did, and, and we went up to the line of scrimmage, and, you know, we if we had a play called and didn't like it, he could he could check out of it and, and do that. Now they do that regular now, but back then, not uh, – I don't know if we were the first, but we were certainly – uh, early on doing it, and uh, we'd go up and we could change the play. The, most of the other teams the didn't in. do that, and we we noticed all down. that, and and that's where after watching two of the films, and at the time uh, we were eighteen point underdogs, you know, and then uh, those 
uh, Coach, uh, well, there was the Weeb and, and Cleve Rush and, and all of the backs and receivers. We were all sitting around. <laughs> I told them, I said, we watching more of these films. We're going to get overconfident. And there we were, 18-point underdogs. That's, that's a pretty wide spread. Now, I remember when that was reported in the press, and they thought, like, you know, it was a backhanded joke. You you felt like you guys didn't really – the press played up the fact you were an underdog and you really had no chance of winning. Well, yes, they did. They didn't uh, uh, They didn't think we deserved to be there at all. But we fooled them. <laughs> when, when did you feel that you had won that game, the Super Bowl? Well, I, I think um, – well, obviously, <laughs> when the game's over. But uh, <laughs> the last drive where we had the ball – to keep it away from them, uh, you know, they had they had scored finally a touchdown uh, to make it sixteen to seven, and uh, you know you just get a little nervous. Uh, there was not a lot of time left in the game, but uh, three or four minutes, I think, something like that. But we got the ball and we kept it away from them. Uh, you know, we made a little drive and and uh, ran most of the clock out. And then uh, at that point, you know, pretty well uh, assured that uh, you're going to win the game. So, And that's really what happened. What is your fondest memory of playing professional football besides the Super Bowl in the, in the playoff game? Well, I, I think, you know, you, you uh, are hard-pressed to find something better than that. But... Uh, you know, just being able to to play the game, uh, truthfully, I, you, and you never really know whether you can or you think you can. And, you know, a lot of times you get just like uh, going from high school to college, to, you know, you're, you think you can play and all of a sudden you, you're not as good as the next guy. But it just being able to play and have – the camaraderie that you have with the other uh, team players, you know, you 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 go through a lot of of uh, pain and suffering together, and you get to be a very cohesive unit, you know, and that's and you your friend. I mean, that's on and off the field. So it's uh, you know you. And you get different guys from all different uh, aspects of the country. You know, they all come from different places and have different uh, traditions and things. And, uh, you know, you get to meet a lot of different people and uh, learn a lot of different things from them. Pete Lamons, thank you for what you did for us, our Jet fans, back in 1968-69. Thank you to all those Texans who are on the team. Without those Texans, we wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, that's what we used to tell him. He said, you get enough guys from Texas and we'll win. Well, they did. <laughs> and one quarterback from Alabama. <laughs> yeah, we helped him along. <laughs> Pete Lamons, thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, when I was a little boy growing up in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, one of the biggest days of the year was May 17th. 
And some people may say, well, what's May 17th? Well, hopefully we can talk a little bit about that because we have Harriet Berg, Norway's general counsel, on the line. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Okay, so let me ask you, what is May 17th? Well, uh, for any Norwegian, it's uh, one of the funnest days in the year. Uh, when I was a small kid, it was uh, Christmas Eve and 17th of May. That was the two uh, most uh, uh, the days that we're really looking forward to. Um, so this is uh, um, our Constitution Day, uh, based on uh, the fact that uh, we were along in a union with Sweden until the Napoleon Wars, and when they were ended, uh, we uh, were uh, then ceded uh, from Sweden to uh, uh, sorry, from Denmark to Sweden. Um, in the meantime, uh, we uh, had uh, an initiative uh, trying to create a constitution in Norway uh, where people were gathering in the spring of 1814 uh, in uh, the assembly of Eidsvoll, um, a bit north of Oslo. And they were inspired by the U.S. Declaration of Independence and the French Constitution and developed this constitution, which was quite advanced uh, for the time uh, at that time. Um, and they were able to adopt that uh, uh, on 16th of May, and it was signed on the 17th of May. Um, uh, and it was our constitution, even if we afterwards, after a short war, went into uh, this union with Sweden um, uh, again. Uh, but in any case, this is what we are celebrating. Uh, that uh, the constitution that was made in uh, and signed on 17th of May. Now, uh, this has uh, it was not in the in the beginning a very uh, important day, particularly not for the Swedish uh, king uh, that was then king of both Sweden and Norway. He he didn't like it too much, um, but uh, it kind of developed slowly, slowly into a day that people were celebrating, and from. 1860, approximately, um, it, they uh, they started to organize children's parades. Um, first, only small boys, they were allowed to uh, walk in the parade, and after a while, uh, the girls as well were allowed into it. And uh, then, of course, when we became an independent country from Sweden in 1905, uh, this really exploded and became a very important day. So a very important day for Norwegians to come together and celebrate in the streets um, uh, their constitution that we have and the values we believe in. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, what what exactly is the job of, of the consulate in New York? What is your job? What, what are you supposed to do? And, and how do you help relations between the U.S. and Norway? Yeah, um, First, uh, we have in the U.S., we have an embassy in Washington, and we have uh, three consul, uh, consulate generals. So the embassy is, of course, taking care of the relationship with the federal government and the federal institutions. While we at the consulates uh, in New York, uh, Houston, and San Francisco, we uh, are working to promote uh, U.S.-Norwegian relationships, particularly when it comes to promotion of business, uh, cooperation and cultural cooperation. Uh, so we are trying to show uh, all the areas where we would be able to do more together uh, on business and culture. 
In addition, we, of course, also help Norwegians uh, in the neighborhood with issuing passports and uh, uh, visa, applica- uh, visa for, for foreigners to Norway, etc. So uh, we are busy being out there and uh, working with our U.S. partners and talking about anything from offshore wind uh, that I'm sure that you uh, are knowledgeable about and uh, up to um, contemporary art. How is tourism right now in Norway, uh, you know, with COVID and everything else? What's the situation over there? Uh, it's uh, The COVID situation uh, is uh, not uh, too bad. Um, we have had quite few uh, uh, deaths uh, is since last year. Actually, only approximately 740 people, all in all, in the whole country of 5 million people, have died uh, of COVID the last year. Uh, but we still want to control it. So uh, borders are pretty much closed uh, for tourism as well. So it is difficult to enter Norway these days. We hope, of course, that this will uh, be easier uh, during the summer. But for the time being, uh, I guess there's barely any tourists in Norway, unfortunately. Okay, now, you know, Norway, okay, May May seventeenth, eighteen fourteen, but Norway was a country before that. Yeah, uh, we've been uh, independent uh, for a thousand years. I mean, thousands of years. Uh, a gathering of uh, uh, of Norway around the year thousand uh, from small small kingdoms, um, and then being independent. Uh, but actually, after uh, the large pandemic that we had around the uh, year 1300, uh, the Black Death, as it was called, um, uh, we went into unions with Sweden and Denmark uh, interchangeably uh, for, for a while. Uh, so uh, the n- next kind of real independence was this little opportunity in 1814 uh, and then uh, uh, at the end in 1905. So why why especially do we celebrate May 17th? I mean, it's, yes, the Constitution Day, but it's really not the, you know, Norway was a country well before that. But what is the significance? Why is it like Christmas? <laughs> I think it's because, well, first, uh, uh, constitutions are uh, certainly important documents and, and bases for uh, a nation, so uh, a, a good reason to celebrate in itself. But I think that the reason why this day has become so important in Norway is that it has become the children's day and, and uh, the a family day. Uh, many countries celebrate their uh, national uh, day or constitution day with military parades and uh, uh, probably are not kind of necessarily uh, making it into a, a day that really uh, all kids are very, very excited about. I mean, 4th of July is a big day here in the U.S., uh, of course. So you have that feeling integrated in people that that's an important day, it's a day or party. Uh, but that in Norway uh, has uh, become really uh, that that big day. I think it's this, this, this opportunity to go out, put on your national costumes, um, and of course with kids. We always say you can have as many ice creams that you would like to have and as many hot dogs that you would like to have that day. That certainly also influences our impression of that day. And then it's the parade, which is so lively with so many colors. 
and people uh, cheering and uh, saying hooray for 17th of May. I mean, I think it's all the festivities around this uh, and everybody's participating in those parades. All that really makes a mark in the uh, young children's uh, uh, memories and it kind of stays like that. So I guess that when we are uh, a bit older, uh, we kind of reliving that fun experience uh, from when we were small. Okay, final note, where if somebody wanted to learn more about Norway or wanted to do business with Norway and wanted to find out what opportunities were there, how would they contact the, the consulate? Well, we uh, can be contacted both uh, via email and uh, via phone. So uh, uh, we also can make sure that uh, we have kind of web pages that also give a lot of good information. But uh, you can you can just call us or send us an email, and we will certainly uh, be very happy to uh, make sure you get uh, the information you need for whatever, whether it be business or culture or uh, tourism. Okay, Harriet Berg, Norway's. Council General, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you so much. It was very nice to talk with you. Pete Lamons, rest in peace. You know, Beth, Pete Lamons was saying he's coming from Texas, and he played back in Shea Stadium back in those days, and it was, as as you remember very well, coming from Texas <laughs> and going to Shea Stadium, that was the coldest place on earth in <laughs> You know, in the winter months. Frigid. The wind would blow, it, and it didn't matter if it was September. You couldn't dress warm enough. Oh, it was awful. No offense to Shea Stadium. Lots of personality. But it was frigid. Yeah. Now, I and mean, I some can, of you I may not know. imagine what uh, we went through. Some of you may not know, but Pete Lamons died this past week in a fishing accident at the age yeah. of 77. Uh, so so oh, it, it's kind of tragic. Him. You know, he wasn't sick or anything. He just died in a fishing accident, and he drowned. And so, you know, again, Pete Lamons, rest in peace. But he's one of those guys who had a personality, one of those 11 guys from Texas who are on the Super Bowl Jets. And not only that, back then, there were only about 40 players on the roster. So that was more than 25% of the team. And that's why y'all won. Yeah. That's why the Jets won, because of all those Texans. Yeah, well, that's what he said. You know, and uh, Don Maynard, you know, probably agreed with that, too. And Don Maynard, who we've had on the show before, we probably should replay that interview someday. Don Maynard had a great game. He caught two touchdown passes, and he caught caught another ball deep, you know, 50-yard pass that set up a touchdown. And, you know, he he was a great receiver anyway, but he, he had a great game in that playoff game and helped get the Jets into the Super Bowl. And, of course, if they didn't win that game, there would have been no 1969 Super Bowl. Oh, oh. And don't forget, Norwegian Day is Monday. Absolutely. Right? You know, we're not having a Norwegian Day parade, but hopefully, as uh, Arlene and the the Council General said, hopefully there will be a Norwegian Day parade in 2022. Now, I think we made a decision in-house at Connors & Sullivan. We're going to try to do seminars in the, the end of July in Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, Michael, in the meanwhile, how does somebody reach one of our seminars on, on YouTube or whatever? Yeah, it, look, we we cannot wait to be in person explaining everything to you. But in the meantime, what we want to do is to just at least offer a video seminar that is 
you know, you've got just a whole hour of dad telling you everything you need to know or you want to know or that you're interested in learning. Um, so what you do is you go to youtube.com and you just search Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar. And that is spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S, Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar. Well, in any event, I think David Kincaid is telling us to go home. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. We'll be back here on the same stations next week, mostly the same time. Thank you for listening. As always, take care and thank you for joining us. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.